J.T. Crowley is talking books. On this show, you'll hear from emerging talent and seasoned veterans from around the world. They'll give you their take on the writing process and how to create the secret sauce of page-turning deliciousness. Let's get into that magical mixture of the art and science of creativity. Here's J.T. Crowley, author of The Smart Kids and your podcast host. Hello. I'm J.T. Crowley, and I have to say I'm extremely happy to be talking to my guest today, Carl Lee Jones from Cedar Hill, Dallas, about his book, We Are the My People in the Bible. Carl is a pastor of the streets in the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas in the United States. He's faced many challenges in his life, like most of us, some difficult, others enjoyable, a pattern that equally reflects his religious life, having experienced spiritual highs and spiritual lows. He's been connected with several church denominations, and as I've said in my written introduction, has acquired a vast spiritual background from the teachings of numerous pastors and evangelists, who he views has steered into becoming mature in Christ. Carl strongly believes in Elohim, the word Hebrew for God, and that in his eyes, he was saved at the tender age of 12. Carl has six children and has worked at SBC, GTE, Verison, and Walmarts. In the foreword of Carl's book, he starts by saying, this book can be shocking debated and criticized by some, and to others, it may not be. As I've said in my written introduction, this book is not a cuddly bedtime read. It wasn't written for that purpose. This is a thought-provoking book that challenges traditional Christian doctrines. Some of you might find the book somewhat inflammatory, others not, and some of you just might be persuaded to see that Different people view the teachings in the Bible from a different but interesting angle. So let's invite Carl onto the show to get a glimpse into the making of this phenomenal book. This book, everybody, I have really enjoyed reading. It's been a real eye-opener for me. Carl, come and join me. Hi, hey John. Good to meet you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. And I have to say, I'm... Um, so much more enriched in my own life from reading your book. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I, um, I'll make it very clear to everybody. I am a Roman Catholic, and I'm a practicing Roman Catholic. And I do admit to, don't always, you know, I've got lots of religious friends who read the Bible more than I do. But I certainly know, you know, a, a fair amount of, you know, what's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And when I've looked at your book, Carl, boy, you come from a different angle. And I think, oh, yeah. It's so interesting. Oh, yeah. And that's that what's was... me turning the pages. Okay. So, Carl, I've um, got a couple of questions here. When I read right. your book, um, I'm left with the sense that you see the teaching, uh, the citations in the Bible from a different angle. An angle which many of us who have accepted the traditional views, points of the churches, might find uncomfortable at times. 
especially those who have strong closed opinions. Those with, how should I say, an open mindset will probably find fascinating to hear, read, someone else's convictions. So my question, Carl, really is, did you write this book to prick the conscience of conventional believers in order to see the biblical scriptures in a new light, and why? Well, necessarily a new light, just to show the uh, what we have been taught as Christians, Roman Catholics, and so on. If the information that's been given to you is it correct by those leaders, because leaders are men, and men sometimes get things wrong, and they get caught up in a certain way uh, that it that the public or the people that's under them see that as the only way. Like I had one pastor, uh, he said that the name Jesus and Joshua means the same. Mm -hmm. But that led me to thinking, like I know that Carl and Charles mean the same, which means manly, but you can derive, you can derive Carl out of Charles, but you can't derive Jesus and Joshua, the two the names are, are completely different. So that led me on the search, what is the Messiah true name? And so from that point of view, and I went all, I mean, I, I got, I went to this point, this point, this point, and then I went back to him, and he knew his true name, but he wouldn't confess it to the public, which led, led me to thinking that the preachers today know his true name, but they won't express it because the name Jesus has been used all these years. And thereby, if you look at Acts 4 and 10, it said by one name, there shall be salvation under one name. So what is the one name? That's an interesting uh, point. I'm curious, Carl, um, as to the cover and the title in the book, We Are the My People in the Bible. Who are, who are you referring to here as the My People? Am I equally, and I'm equally curious to your statement, which was in your foreword, we are by nature Hebrew. Right. Who are, we, who are you referring to, Carl, as the My People? Okay, the my people in the Bible are people that are, people refer to us as black. But in actuality, our color is not black. In fact, Hebrews are from light skin tone or even pale pink to a darker brown. Uh, we go to Moses in Exodus 4 and 6. He stuck his hand in the bosom, took it out. It was white like leopard. When he stuck it back in his hand, it changed back to the color of the flesh, as the Bible says. And then we go to Acts 21, uh, 21st chapter, 37 verse, and 38 verse. That's Acts of yeah. the Apostles, isn't it? Right. That's when uh, the Roman soldier thought that Paul was an Egyptian. 
But Paul in Philippians 3 and 5 states that he's a Benjaminite. Uh, the word is uh, actually for Yasharel instead of Israel. And he said he's a Hebrew of Hebrew. And then in Genesis 15, no, 14, 13, it states that Abram was a Hebrew. So the Hebrew are people with their skin color is melanated. And this was specifically designed by God, the Father. And who are we to contradict what the Father has done? We can contradict, but are we doing it correctly? So that's why I said we are the mind people in the Bible. I asked the question because I was thinking, what's he getting at here? So now I understand that. Okay. Um, and now I can see there's a bit of a link to the nature and the Hebrew. That now, I, now I know where you're coming from. Right. Um, and we and see Genesis 15, I think 13 states that that the Hebrew was spent 400 years in slavery. Hmm. And a lot of people think it was they spent 40 years under Egyptian bondage, but that's incorrect because uh, Exodus, I think it's 12 and 30 states, and see the King James Version left out from words, which majority of people don't realize because they only read the King James Version. The Septagon and the Secret Bible put those words back in there. and. In actuality, they only spent like 200, probably 15 years in Egypt because they have to be 40 years of, well, less than 40 years between Joseph death and Moses' birth. Yes. But if you calculate it, there's not 40 years. No. I've looked so, that up. Yeah. So we, because the King James Version left out words, it left. Uh, information out that should be there. And when you leave information out of any book, any thought, it changed the entire text of your thinking that you've been formed with all your life. You've already touched upon this, and now I was going to say, uh, I'll let him roll with this. Um, still on the, the cover, Carl, the illustration, mm -hmm. which, which I think was done by your son, wasn't it? Right. Uh, Christopher, depicts a right. white hand and a black mm -hmm. hand. Right. Um, which references to Exodus chapter 4, verse 6, right. and right. chapter 4, verse 7. Mm -hmm. We've touched upon this, but what the significance here is especially the scriptural cross-referencing to the verses in Exodus, I think is fantastic. For okay. me, the four major themes of Exodus are God's identity and power, Redemption mm -hmm. and deliverance, right. mediators, and the priesthood. Right. But verses 6 refers to the Lord giving further signs to Moses by asking him to put his hand into his bosom, and when, he, when Moses withdrew it, his hand was leprous as snow. Right. That's the one. Okay. All right. Uh, the majority word, the majority of the word, world thinks that people of your nature, nation of your skin tone 
are white. Okay. So, and so in my in the in in the book I put in can a white man become whiter? You did. And by nature, he cannot. That's against nature. So there's no way that a white man can put his bosom in his hand and it come whiter. That's impossible. And then it go put it back in the hand and change the other color. That's what the uh that's what that uh title or uh, the cover is referenced to. That it changed to the other flesh. And of course, when you look at the cover, Carl, mm-hmm. the white hand has got written in it for Exodus four, verse six, and the black hand has four verses seven. Right. That's one on the seven. The mm-hmm. Lord instructed Moses to put his hand back onto his cloak, and when he withdrew it, it was restored. Right. And I think the illustration, everybody, is very cleverly done. It's very plain. It's very simple. But when you look at it, there are a lot of you know, undertone significance to why it's been done that way. I'm right, aren't I, Carl? Right. I mean, this that's the way God designed it. I mean, uh, he designed us a specific way. He designed my hair, your hair, your skin tone, a specific way. He designed it. And Did. we have no control over design whatsoever. And sometimes we t- try to take on a nature of another person, but should we? Mm. We are denying our own nation when you try to take on the nature of another person. It's interesting, and I've never thought of that in concept of what um, in Exodus. Right. Um, I understand, Carl, that this book is the build-up of years of study of your own life and experiences, teachings and learnings. Right. I'm particularly drawn to your choice of words. I am Hebrew. I no longer believe in Christmas, Halloween and Good Friday and Easter. Christ did not die on Friday. Right. They are pagan holidays. I get the feeling, Carl, that you are trying to tell others, be led by the truth and not by men's false preachings, lies, deceptions. Listen to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit, Ruach, Hekodesh, walk you in all his ways. Right. This is very, very important to you in your own life, isn't it? Yes, it is, uh, because those uh, holidays, as we refer, and the word holiday is actually uh, actually come from the Bible. We oh, refer yeah. to holiday, and holiday refers to what man does to celebrate for himself. But actually, the word came from holy day, mm-hmm. which means reference to God and what we should celebrate to God only. And like... I stated uh, that he didn't die on a Friday because he couldn't, because Matthew 12 and 40 would be incorrect. Because Matthew 12 and 40 said, as Yonah was in the belly of the well three days and three nights, so the son of the son of man being the heart of the grave three days, three nights. And from Friday night, Sunday morning, it's not three days, but we hear, I, don't know if it, I hear preachers preach it all the time. 
and it's incorrect. And they have gone to uh, one uh, one man say he said cemetery school, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> school is dead. So, but if you actually read Matthew twelve and forty. It's, stri it's strictly say three days and three nights, and there's no way that you can get three days and three nights from Friday night to Sunday morning. That's impossible. So what we've been taught all our life, or at least what I've been taught and what I heard, they died on Friday and rose Sunday morning. Well, according to the scripture, it's incorrect. And if they want to deny that, then that they can deny it. But then when they come in front of the, the Messiah and judgment, he gonna ask them, why? Why did you preach that information? They may have given information, but they ain't they gonna say, uh, 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 that's why I've been taught. Well, why didn't you read? Because <laughs> I know that Christians have been, Christian, and, and a lot of Christians don't know what the word Christian means. A lot of them think it's the, to follow Christ, but the word Christ means the anointed one. Anointed one, yes. Yeah, Messiah means the anointed one. Mm. Hamashiach means the anointed one. Doesn't so instead of saying, I'm following Christ, you are the anointed one. So I know people been in church 40 years, hadn't read, hadn't read the King James Version from, from Genesis to Revelation. But I'm a Christian. Okay. Why you never read? And just listen to the preacher. And so you get entrapped by just listening and not reading for yourself. Because if there's any studying going to be done or any reasoning, you have to study for yourself. Because the Bible says in Timothy, study to show thyself and prove it to who? Not man, but unto God. So you're saying, you know, people should um, not just accept what somebody else says, but go and have a look, you know, do their own research themselves. Right. And then maybe if you read, and majority of people can read, some people can't read, okay? They're just plain fact. But majority of people can read, but they free, refuse to believe what they read. The preachers refuse to preach what they read. I mean, it, they read they read some of the scripture, or they read the scripture and bring out a message. But are they bringing out the full truth in what they are preaching? In your description, Carl, you touch upon white masters refusing to admit the Hebrew slaves were coming to America, and that this was the real Holocaust. And you rightly touch upon the appalling conditions upon the boats that were used as transportation. And you go on to say, we are the true nation of Israel. As Yah told Avram, your seed shall be in the strange lands for 400 years. Right. Would you care to um, tell the viewers, the listeners, what was your thought process going on in your mind when you drew this uh, description about your book? What's okay. getting at? Uh, okay. Uh, if you go to the 13th verse of Genesis, 
there's a word in there. Uh, he had to put Abraham to sleep because he used the word horror. Oh, and yeah, that thing, I think that's in 13 verse of, uh, of, of uh, fifth, I think it's Genesis 15, 13. He used the word horror and he had to put Abraham to sleep because what we went through, our forefather went through, are the people that was transporting both. It was pitiful condition. Uh, and I looked it up, it said the quickest that the voyages uh, would make it probably four weeks. That's the quickest. The longest was four months. Mm. And, and it was the expression that some people years ago said that they could smell the slave ship when it entered the harbor, the harbor. So, and see, if you look at the movie Roots, uh, when they put Kente Kute I remember that. on the ship, the first thing he wrenched was the smell because they didn't have water hoses. They probably had hoses, I mean, not hoses, but buckets to throw some of the stuff off, but not completely clean. So, uh, we were first imported in the year 1619. Ah, yes, and into Virginia, I believe. In, right. And four in the years of that would be 2019. Yeah. So the four in the years is up. So what we're now waiting on is the exodus. Now, how that don't occur, I don't know. But what I do know, there will be an exodus. Now, there could be the exodus because when, uh, <clears throat> when they left Egypt the first time on Miserium, that's the true name. Well, now we're using Egypt, but name was Mishram. Uh There were strangers that left with them. Would they be Gentiles, do you think? Uh, yes. Because the word Gentile actually means other nation. That's all it means. Mean other nation, yes. I agree. Yeah, that's that. all it means. And so there was the Egyptians, or uh, Mizraims, went with them. And and so I picture uh, the Exodus, maybe that's going to be the rapture. Because this world, as we know, will end. When it will end, we don't know. I mean, some uh, I read, I was listening to, uh, looking at YouTube the other day, and I said, look, girl predicted the end. I said, ah, <laughs> I laughed because, because the son doesn't even know when he ain't going to be. Only the father. So how the little girl gonna know when he ain't gonna be? <laughs> so I, I just I just read read the title stuff title and, and bypass. I didn't want to look at it because it's not true. You know she can't she don't know when he ain't gonna be. <laughs> no way. So anyway, um, so when Kuta Kente got on the ship, the first thing he smelled was the stink of the ship. And there was a mother picture showed that uh, to make the slaves eat. They knock the teeth out. Shelves, uh, so anytime somebody eat or you drink, what's going to happen? You got to use it. Yeah. But you're tired together. How you going to wipe yourself? And you can't say, Master, I need to go use the restroom. Use it on yourself. Oh, I'm intrigued. So that's why uh, 
that's why it's mentioned as a holocaust because they said that the Jews uh, in Germany yes was a holocaust but holocaust mean when you send and, and they don't tell how many slaves were lost they can't count how many slaves were lost during the travel because some committed suicide because they didn't want to go, go through that journey mm -hmm. so they just jumped off the ship and then those who wouldn't obey, I mean, they cut them off and cut them in shape, and sharks had a nice meal. Yeah. So, your book, Carl, uh, I want to move on here. It's got 30 okay. chapters in it. Uh, for me, certain chapters stand out. And I say the podcast, uh, you know, due to the time allocation, doesn't give us the time to talk about all the chapters. So, we're not going to do that. Um, that, as I, I frequently say, is not the purpose of the podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to give people a flavor of you and your book is about. So let's have a look at, as I said, some of the chapters that appealed, you know, caught my eye. Okay. Chapter one, mm. Elohim. This mm -hmm. is quite a significant opening chapter, the theory of creation. Tell us more in brief, if you can, about this chapter. It's an important chapter. Okay, Ellen, okay, a lot of time in the Bible, or in the King James Version, it doesn't, it doesn't give the uh, proper name because in actuality there was the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, the Ruach Hakadosh. Uh, and so we mentioned just one God, but it is just one God under three persons. Uh, and so we use uh, the King James Version say God. And it actually spoke with Elohim because they are one in their thinking and in their power and superiority. So that's what they kind of get people to think and say, oh, because when we read, we say, God, okay, are you referring to the Father? Mm -hmm. Referring to the Son? Are you referring to the Ruach HaKadosh? Because they are all God. But oh. the King James Version made it simple and just said God. Mm. Mm. So that's where the title actually comes. I, I, I also found, you know, in, in, in your book, oh, um, chapter 11, um, this was a powerful chapter. And you certainly have some interesting viewpoints here. And of course, the chapter is headed up as, when did Yahusha die? Interesting. Okay. Mm. All right. Yeah, because like I said, it, it, he couldn't have died on Good Friday, as they say, Good Friday, uh, because it would have been good anyway, uh, to a, at a point, okay, because uh, he didn't die on Friday. He died actually on a Wednesday, uh, because the Passover, uh, what people fail to realize, is shipped around from it could have been celebrated any day of the week because it wasn't stationary, uh, stationary day. In other words, July 4th is celebrated on July 4th. It doesn't matter if it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It's celebrated on the 4th of July. The Passover was on the 14th of the month of Nisan. And so, uh, he died on the 14th day of whatever day it was. And the only way that could happen, it had to be a specific time. 
for him to die. Uh, uh, the father had to arrange a specific time for him to die on that particular Passover day. Because if he had gone a year earlier, then it would have been on Tuesday. Oh. Uh, a year earlier, yes. it Monday. But ah. yeah, so that's where that comes. I want to go to chapters 20 and 22. And it's quite poignant, actually, everybody. Chapter 20 at the moment is headed up tongue talking. And of course, at the moment in the Christian world, we're in Pentecost. Mm -hmm. Right. And, of course, and they're going to just read it off the phone here. The opening um, statement here. One of the greatest debates or misconceptions in the church today is being filled with the Holy Ghost. And the evidence... Right talking in an unknown language. A whole right. denomination of mm -hmm. talking in unknown language, a whole denomination was started because someone has the misconception of the word of Yah. Let me right. first say that I have no problem with Tom talking in the unknown language because I believe the entire Bible. I do not try to justify some things in the Bible, but I believe Pharaoh's army drowned in the Red Sea. Now, does talking on an unknown tongue mean that I am filled with the Holy Ghost? No. No, you feel Holy Ghost as soon Yeah, you feel with the Holy Ghost as soon as you accept the Messiah and Savior. Period. Uh, Paul said he wished that all spoke in tongues, but all don't speak in tongues. It just is. It is a gift. Of course, we've and, all we've all go got an image here of you know they were in the in a room and we've seen flames on their heads and then the Holy Spirit yeah. comes in and all of a sudden they could all talk different languages you know, Cretans, Arabs, Israelis, Jews, um, uh, Judeans could all hear the apostles talking in their own native language. That's right what most people identify with Pentecost, isn't it? Right, that is correct. But they almost created a religion or belief that this is correct. This is the right way. And even Peter's told in his in part of his scripture that there were many things that Paul wrote that he didn't understand. So there was a misconception of, of uh, what tongue talking is for. Mm -hmm. so. Chapter 22, I think is very important to you, and it's headed up prayer. Prayer is the effective two-way communication, talking, praising, uplifting, following, obeying, doing, requesting, and listening, with and to Elohim. Prayer is a two-way street. We can pray anytime, anywhere. Is prayer important to you? And because it's so important to you, you've put this chapter in. Prayer is very important. I mean, you can't, there's no way to live in his life without prayer. That means communication to the Father. Uh, and he will communicate to you back. Sometimes it's delayed. And it's according to his time and not our time. But always pray. Uh, because if we pray, we wouldn't do certain things at that time. But if we don't pray, then we'll, we'll do something that we'll later regret. So 
it's kind of like the uh, ASA uh, in I think it's second round of 16th and the 14th verse. Uh, he did not go to, he had bad feet. He had a foot problem. And so instead of going to God first, he went to position. Otherwise, if he had gone to God first, God may have healed his bad feet, but he just preferred to the position. So we do you should think, always pray. Sorry to um, cut in there, but do you think um, prayer should be done discreetly, quietly in a closed room? Um, as I think Jesus sort of pointed out to, or do you see it should be just, you know, as in public, you know? Um, Either way, it doesn't matter, just pray. So for you, it's either way. Just, I'm just curious. Just, just pray, pray, pray opening. I mean, it, it doesn't matter where you pray, just pray. Because you're praying to the Father to help you or uh, to guide you uh, at a certain point. And we need to listen. And if we don't listen, then we'll we'll be mis 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 misled. So, do you think uh, you know it's hard to pray at times, isn't it? Because um, sometimes, yes, we pray, but we're not listening back. Right. Yeah. Because sometimes I have pain to my body. So <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Thank you, Father." <laughs> and sometimes all I can say, "Thank you." So, ah. uh, yeah, because he's aware. He's aware of everything that we need. And so, since he's aware of everything we need, we should be listening to him for an answer. And sometimes we don't want to listen. I know one time I prayed and I asked a question and I didn't get to answer the question six weeks later. What's the, uh, I want to move on a little bit further now because okay. it, I'm quite interested here because further along in the book, you've got a, on page 180, you've got um, a series of questions here. Um, so, you know, what's the thinking, Carl, behind the 20 questions on page 180? Is this you trying to get people to reflect on your way of thinking, your approach to the biblical text? as opposed to readers' position around their own Christian judgments? What are you talking no, about? No, just to get people to think about uh, their life, uh, their response, uh, their way of trying to control things which are out of their control. So, because mm -hmm. in my other book, uh, we should question everything that is taught to us, everything. Because it has a, it has a meaning and it has a purpose, but we should question everything about this life. So it's just to get people to think. Okay. Um. What one thing, Carl, do you want readers to take away from having read your book? Um, what, it's what? just to get, get, get people to think about what they've been taught 
and to read and study for themselves. Because you can't depend on a person whose mind is set one way. And so, like I was stating before, this pastor, his mindset is always Jesus. But he knew Jesus' Hebrew name. Because what we fail to realize is this, that the Messiah, every person that's born in this world is born into a certain nation. And the Messiah was born into the world. And a lot of people call her name Mary, which is actually English. Her true name is Miriam, which is from Moses' sister named Miriam. And she got her name because of Miriam. Uh, Miriam, the Messiah mother, is Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And so thereby making the Messiah Hebrew. Ah. And nobody ever talked, I never heard anybody say that. No one. So that's what you want your reader to come away with that that viewpoint. Who do you right. want? Um, who do you want to see as your readers? And, um, and more to the point, who would you like to see uh, reading your book? And furthermore, where where can they get your book from? Uh, the book is based on Amazon right now. Uh, anybody can read it. I mean, because it's always good to read. Uh, you can always learn something from reading. Uh, because uh, I, I did term papers, and the only way I did term papers was reading the information that was in front of me that I had. Because I learned by reading that big pen made uh, it made the uh, razor blade too. So I never imagined that. I mean, I didn't thought that until I read. So it's always good to read because you can find something out new by reading. If you don't read, you're gonna be you're gonna be missed straight by somebody that tell you something that ain't true. Oh, I so, totally agree. Yeah. What's next for you, Carl? Um, are there more books in the pipeline? Um, I got one other book, and because in this previous book, I wanted to re-edit it, but the, the publisher didn't want to re-edit the book because there was a major mistake in that book that, uh, that, that I read, that I wrote. Uh, the major mistake was that I had the sun uh, the earth going around the sun. But then I found out that information was incorrect by reading. And so I wanted to re-edit the book. They wouldn't let me re-edit the book. So what I did, I just uh, re-edited the book, added some district chapters to the book, and had another publisher. Because uh, what I found out, that the earth is stationary. Earth doesn't move. And then the sun is not 93 million miles away from Earth, as we've been told. The sun is not 200, not the sun, but the the moon is not 250 miles away from Earth. That the sun and the moon are in the firmament. Yes. Mm, yeah. And so we've been taught all our life, at least I will, 
that the earth rotates around the sun uh-uh. and then the sun is 93 million miles away from earth <laughs> and the moon 250 miles away from earth so if that information is true then what Joshua said in the 10th chapter sun stands still he didn't say earth stands still he said sun stands still mm-hmm. that means that the sun rotates around earth and that there are no planets there are only stars now meaning by that mercury is the closest planet around the sun as we've been taught which is incorrect if that was the truth well i won't see mercury circulating around the sun <laughs> or venus because they would segregate, they circle, they would segregate less than a year. But since they don't, so you know, seeing there's no Venus, there's no, uh, there's no Mercury. In, in fact, or those planets, as we call them, are actually named after Romans and Greek gods. Ah, there you go, Rob. It's been an absolute joy to for me to chat to you to review your book, and I wish you every success with it. Okay. As I said, everybody, I've said it several times, this is not a bedtime, cuddly little read. It's a book to prick your conscience, to make you think about things. And for those of us who have got probably more traditional Christian beliefs, uh, you might find parts of this interesting. You might find you don't agree with them, or you might agree. Or, But all I say is... Give Carl a read and then make your own judgment as to what you think of his book. Once again, Carl Lee Jones, thank you for coming on my show. All right. Thank you, John. You have a great day. I'm JT Crowley. Thanks for listening, watching wherever you are in the world. So until next time, stay safe.